Hope everyone enjoyed that extra hour of sleep last night, or extra hour of whatever you decided to do with it. That's what I did with it. Now, we started a sermon series on the book of Hebrews back in August. Um, That letter to the Hebrews is about pressing on in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of uh, pressure. And when when the ground shifts, uh, you end up asking, well, what is it that I really believe? Now, what are the things that I can uh, really uh, count on? And the Hebrews, or this, this congregation that, that he's writing to, uh, they were facing some form of persecution or, or at least the threat of persecution. And so they were beginning to ask, well, how sure is Christianity? Is this something worth suffering for? And so what the writer wants to do is he wants to lift up to them the greatness of Jesus Christ to show them that it really is worth it. Uh, What I'm going to read here in a minute is the beginning of a section that will take us all the way through, or or most of the way through, chapter 10. Uh, It's the longest section uh, in the book, and it is all about the priesthood of Christ. And we've seen that he's greater than the angels, and he's greater than Moses, and now we're going to see that he's greater than all the priests and the whole Old Testament uh, priestly sacrificial system for the next several chapters. And so our sermon text this morning is chapter, uh, or excuse me, uh, verse 11 in chapter 5 through 6-3, but I'm actually going to start reading just a few verses before to give you um, a little bit of the context. That's the last few verses of what Hal preached on last week. Uh, So if you've got a Bible, you can follow along with me. Um, If you don't, we do have it printed for you there. Uh, In the bulletin, Uh, so let's give our attention uh, to the reading of God's word. This is Hebrews uh, 5, starting in verse 7. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered, and being made perfect, He became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him, being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. About this, we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he's a child, but solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God and of instruction about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And this we will do, if God permits. Lord, we thank you for your word. 
We pray that you would bless now the preaching and the hearing of your word, that you would take these things and press them into our hearts. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You and I are hearing creatures. I don't know if you've ever just thought about the fact that God made us uh, to hear and not just sort of receive sound waves, but to receive ideas and then interpret those ideas based on what we believe is good and true. Um, It's part of what separates us uh, from the animals, that our hearing leads to interpretation that's based on belief. Uh, Our family got a dog uh, back in April named Waffle. Um, Based on the other dogs that, that I've owned, I think he's He's reasonably smart. He, he seems to pick up on the few commands that we've given him um, fairly quickly. But you know, you, you will never, ever hear a dog ask why. And you, you might look at a basset hound and think he looks sad, but you're never going to hear him say, I wonder what makes the other dogs happy. Uh, they're not hearers in the same way that we are. They, they take in information and it's processed through their instincts and their surroundings. But dogs don't have political theories. That waffle doesn't care about the election. You and I hear, and then we make decisions about ideas. Do we like what we hear? Does it fit in with the other things uh, that we already believe and understand? And if it doesn't, uh, will we reject it? Or are there, are there changes that are demanded of us because of what we've heard? Do you even want to spend the mental energy to think it through? Uh, various forms of listening and hearing and paying attention have all come up so far in the letter to the Hebrews. And what the writer, what the writer has in mind here is what I'm calling a responsible hearing, or a kind of mature listening. In other words, he wants hearing that really wants to hear, hearing that wants to respond in faith and hearing that wants to go deeper into the wonders of all that we know about Jesus. So that's what this passage is about. It's about hearing, and that's what we're going to talk about. It's a very simple outline. We're going to look at irresponsible hearing and responsible hearing, okay? Irresponsible and then responsible hearing. Uh, If you've been a parent uh, for any length of time, uh, you've probably had the experience of talking to one of your children about something that you at least thought was fairly important and... Uh, you notice there's this look on your child's face that says, when is this going to be over? As though listening to you were some kind of uh, judicial sentence and they're being kind to you just to perform the act of listening until you stop talking. Well, that's one kind. It's one kind of irresponsible hearing, uh, just sort of appeasing a superior that you don't really uh, respect uh, just, to, just to get him off your back. Well, 
Uh, in our passage, in verse 11, uh, the writer says he has a lot of really hard things to explain. You see, he wants to, he wants to elaborate on verses 7 through 10. He wants to tell them about the riches of the priesthood of Jesus Christ. He actually thinks that's what they need to know. It could be really helpful during this time for them. But he's having difficulty, and you probably noticed, uh, it's not because it's hard for him to explain it. It's that it's hard to explain things to people who are dull of hearing. A more wooden translation would say something like sluggish in hearing. Uh, This writer must not have taken the same uh, preaching classes that I did. This is not how you endear yourself uh, to your audience. Um, But what he's saying here is it's it's not an issue of mental capacity. This is a culpable dullness. It's actually a reluctance. Uh, to hear. And so more than just a mental laziness, it's a spiritual resistance to hearing more about Jesus. And you see there, it says they've become dull. In other words, they didn't just wake up this way. They have regressed to this point. So where he says, by this time, you ought to be teachers in verse 12. He's letting us in on the fact they've actually been Christians for a while now. And if you remember what we've covered so far in the first four chapters, uh, they've got quite a bit of knowledge about angels and Moses, Joshua, David. They know more about the Psalms than most of us do. And so when he says, let's not lay another foundation in verse two, uh, he's not kidding. Um, He just lists some basic things for them Uh, that would have to do with the very beginning of the Christian life, but he doesn't go on to explain it. And for the next four chapters, he actually does take a deep dive into the priesthood. You see, this isn't how you talk to babies. Uh, Their problem is that they're acting like babies, not that they actually are. Uh, They're at the very beginning when they should be far down the road. They're at the beginning of the beginning, the elementary principles, the ABCs is all they want to hear. They're not immature new Christians. They're unhealthy older Christians, or at least they're acting in unhealthy ways. Uh, Some of you probably know uh, what a puddle jumper is. I just found out this week, apparently that's a, that you, you can use that to refer to a kind of airplane. That, that's not what I have in mind. Um, when I think of a puddle jumper, I think of two uh, floaties or what I used to call water wings that are connected by a little floating belt that a toddler wears. It's for little ones uh, to be able, you can totally strap it onto their body to float around in the pool. And you know, I don't know, if you haven't seen one of these, it's really cute. It's really cute to see a toddler playing in a puddle jumper, and there's not a thing in the world wrong uh, with a puddle jumper. But you would not want to see me in one. And if you did, you would have all kinds of very legitimate concerns about me. See, the writer is saying, there's nothing wrong with milk, but you're 30 You're 55. Why are you still drinking from the bottle? 
This point here is not that there's some process between milk and solid food that they need to work through. It's that they're perfectly capable of solid food and they insist on sticking to milk. And he says it's absurd and even dangerous. Immaturity is natural for toddlers, but as a choice, it is a dangerous thing. There is nothing virtuous about drinking milk from a bottle. There's nothing virtuous about saying, you know, I just like to keep things simple. If having a simple faith just means that you just don't want to go deeper, that you never really want to press into the implications that your faith actually has for the rest of your life, well, this is not a responsible hearing of the gospel. And that that kind of simplicity needs to be rejected. Uh, When I was in college, I ended up uh, going to a small campus ministry called uh, WDA, A lot of you probably haven't heard of it. It's not even on campus at at UGA anymore. Um, At the time, I I was a believer, but I would say that I had a fairly uh, shallow faith. I I certainly didn't uh, know a whole lot um, about the Bible or, or theology. And what really surprised me when I came to WDA was that these other students, they really uh, knew the word And they didn't just know the facts. I could could tell that it really mattered to them um, how this played out in their lives. And as I reflect back on that, um, what surprises me now is that it wasn't intimidating to me. Uh, It's actually the thing that, that really drew me in because I could see that it was real to them. Now, watching these other students that cared so much about the Bible and what it had to do with their own life. It had a huge impact on me at the time. Uh, Who we spend time with uh, really does matter. Um, It's a lot easier to just live off milk if that's what everyone else around you is doing. But you know, in, in chapter three, he says, we're to exhort one another every day, but in a In a gathering of toddlers, there's just no one to look up to. Uh, There's no one to really hear from. You see, this writer, he's not just a a vain preacher who, who needs their approval, who's really been working hard on his material and it will make him feel better if they'll pay close attention. You see, he wants them to grow up for their own sake, For the sake of others around them, he wants them to enjoy adulthood, to reap the fruits of maturing in Jesus. And so what does that look like? What is is responsible hearing then? Responsible hearing, he says, get solid food. Verse 14, he says, that's for the mature, whose discernment is trained by constant practice. If you've ever purchased exercise equipment, you know that owning it is not the thing that gets you in shape. You have to make regular use of it. And so as long as it is called today, we are to live by faith day 
by day, living off the promises of God that are found in the word of God. Our minds are trained and disciplined by the things that they take in. In this case, it's actually not an option uh, not to practice because we're always practicing something. And so what are we taking in? Are we being trained by our notifications uh, or Joe Rogan? We need to be practicing seeing the world through the lens of Scripture. This might seem rather obvious, but what that means is we not only need to read our Bibles, we need to take in the Word every chance we get here on Sunday morning in community group with your friends, but we actually have to believe it and then to do what it says. We have to practice these things. But notice, this is not just intellectual. He does not say, let's press on into the doctrine of divine simplicity or the sacramental union between the sign and the thing signified. Uh, Responsible hearing is not becoming a well-educated Presbyterian. That might be the worst thing that could happen to you, for some of you, not for all of you. It's important. Uh, In verse 13 and 14, we are called to be skilled in righteousness and actually know the difference between good and evil. There is a moral discernment in view here, an ability to reason about what's right and what's wrong. And so don't miss the point here. Remember, the writer, he wants them to flourish. And so maturity, it's not about uh, learning more rules and then getting better and better about keeping those rules. It is about growing up into our potential and to becoming who God intended us to be. And that includes loving all that he loves and hating the things that he hates. The only people I know that have walked away from the faith, at some point, they stopped being willing to call evil, evil. And we should really think about that. Responsible hearing is trained by constant practice. It's not intellectual now, part of the problem going on with the Hebrews here is that they were willing to confess Christ, but not quite ready to live out all of its implications. To say, I believe in Jesus, but I'm still uneasy with some of the consequences of living in any distinctly Christian way. They were more afraid of conformity to Jesus than of denying Jesus. You see, no one wants to be persecuted. No one, but Jesus tells us the way is hard that leads to life. Their immaturity is being expressed as a resistance to perseverance because perseverance is hard and it is costly. And if Jesus went to the cross to learn obedience, well, I don't know if I want to learn anymore. 
I mean, what kind of suffering was going to be demanded of them? What kind of suffering might be demanded of us? What kind of pressures do you face to shave off the edges of your faith? You see, the desire to be accepted, it it is not new, (laughs) uh, but I am convinced it is a very powerful force today. No one wants to be seen as unintelligent uh, or primitive or on the wrong side of history. No one wants to be left out. So you might even convince yourself that part of being or maintaining a good witness is to make sure to never say anything offensive. But see, you can't do that for long until you start to not believe anything offensive. And the Bible is full of offensive material to those who have their minds trained by the world. And the cross is the great offense. So spiritual food, is, it's not for those with an intellectual bent. It's for those who are diligently seeking after God. The call to maturity is a call to look to Jesus, to imitate Jesus, to long to be with Jesus. And so the spiritual food here is an extended discussion of the high priesthood of Jesus. You see, because the writer really cares about them, he believes it's really practical and useful and beneficial for their perseverance in difficult times to understand that Christ actually is the fulfillment and end of all the Old Testament promises and sacrifices that everything they used to depend on was only temporary. And the real thing, what's really going to last and what's really going to carry them through, he has come. Some of you have become convinced that getting really serious about Jesus is some kind of obstacle to a good life. That by being really into Jesus, somehow you might end up uh, losing something. I suppose that's half right. Jesus says that you will have to lose your life in order to find it. But the path to maturity is through him. And if you think that Jesus is some kind of roadblock to your happiness, well, then you just don't see what is being offered here. Uh, Real freedom Forgiveness, joy, and peace, and contentment, the realization of all of our desires and conformity into his life. It it will mean uh, suffering, but it is a suffering uh, that is for our good. And ultimately, it is a suffering just like it was for him that is unto glory, unto life with him. And so what have, uh, what have you heard about Jesus? And what is, what is taking responsibility uh, for what you've heard uh, going to look like? Uh, the writer is saying, 
You need to snap out of it. Wake up. Everything you want is right here. And so don't turn back now. The son of God is for you and perseverance is for your good. It's not grit that's gonna help you make it to the end. It's Jesus. And so he says, we will press on to maturity in verse three, if God permits. In other words, we will feed on this solid food and we will practice a deeper understanding and appreciation of who Christ is and all that he's done and all that he's invited us into. And we will jump into the deep end of following Jesus wherever it takes us but always and only uh, independence on him. Let's pray. Father, you are the one who grants hunger and thirst. So God, we pray that you would give us a hunger to know you and to be with you and to be like you. God, you're the one who brings us to maturity. So we pray that you would give us faith to believe what we know and to long to know even more of it, to know more about Jesus, not just information, but to truly know him. And we pray this in his name. Amen.